Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is uh, Carlos Whitaker. Uh, Carlos is a People's Choice Award winner, a former recording artist on a major label, and, and we've, we've met, and so I don't know how I didn't know this. Uh, <laughs> currently spends a lot of time writing books and speaking on stages, is actually traveling for a speaking gig right now. Um, so uh, today we're going to be talking about how he sold 50,000 copies of his book, Kill the Spider, uh, as he would say, out of the trunk of his car, or, or really from, uh, from, from iPads and lobbies. Uh, yeah. And so if you're, if you're a speaker, if you're, uh, or if you're someone who wants to speak, if you're a speaker who wants to sell more books from your speaking gigs, uh, or if you're someone who wants to speak from your books, um, this is going to be an awesome interview. Carlos is amazing. Carlos, great to have you here. Thanks, Chandler, man. I'm so excited that we, got, we get to do this. Thanks for having me. So let's take it back a little bit. Like, why did you decide to write your first book? I think you got three books now. Yeah. Like, why did you decide to write your first book? And what was the purpose kind of behind that first book? Yeah, you know, I had, um, uh, I was, I was a, a, a recording artist. So I was like singing. Well, that was my gig, right? And, but even before I was a recording artist, like I had this blog that I just loved to write. Like I just, I'd write a paragraph a day, like five days a week for like seven years. I just was always... And for the first six years, literally, it was like my mom and my aunt that would read it every day. Like, but I just, I loved writing so much that, uh, you know, for those of you that aren't old enough to know what a blog is, you know, it's basically like Instagram, but you own it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and so I, I, I just, I always had a knack for, for writing and I, and I actually enjoyed it. And so um, once my platform, like year seven, that's when the, the, I had this video go viral. The seventh year I was writing this blog. Um, and that really like, like increased my platform tremendously. This was like 2010. Um, and then all these people started finding my blog and then publishers started finding my blog and they're like, Hey, this guy's got, and then suddenly it was like, it was like 30,000 readers a day and people were, and I was like, this is really cool. Like, but again, the whole time I'm actually a singer. Right. So, um, but I had more people reading my words than sit, than buying my music. And so it just became this thing where I was like, you know what? Like I actually love to write. I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm an okay singer and I love to perform, but I really love to tell stories. That's probably why I like to, to perform is, is I like the between the songs. Um, and I just had enough people kind of lean into me and say, Hey, listen, like, I think people view you as a thought leader, not necessarily a worship leader. Um, and so why don't you think about writing a book? And so the first book was really like a, it, it's like my best blogs for seven years. Like I, I just went back into the, you know, my Evernote file, my WordPress, and I found, okay, what are the, what are the stories that I had the most comments? What are the stories that had the most traction? Uh, and then I would turn, you know, three paragraphs into a chapter. And, um, and the book was called Moment Maker. Uh, you can live your life or your life will live you. And it's, it's, it was just about creating, receiving and rescuing moments. And that's really, you know, people followed me for 
kind of that side of life, like, oh, Carlos is always doing fun things. He's always experimenting things. He's, he's a moment maker. Uh, so it made sense to do that as the first book. And so, you know, like I, I look back at that first book, it seems like so freaking long ago now. It came out in 2014. Um, and man, it was like the little book that could. Like I was, you know, it, it sold it sold horribly. Like it was, it just didn't sell anything. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to sell books. I, it was like my little experiment. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I look back at it uh, and every once in a while, like I'll go on Amazon and I'm like, and I'll, you know, yeah, I take all my author analytics and I'm like, oh my gosh, people are still buying this book. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're buying my little blog book and I'm like proud of it, you know, and, and that book, um, I think really laid the groundwork for the next two, which, uh, which had been way more successful, but you know, yeah. it's always that first book, man, that first book, um, I'm really proud of. So, and two quick follow-ups on that. So uh, that one was with Zondervan. Yep. Is that right? Okay. And so, um, did you have publishers approach you like how how did that process work yeah yeah so again because of my blog and because of my again it really wasn't social media at the time I guess there was a little bit of social media happening at the time but definitely I I remember very specifically they wanted to know my blog traffic like how many readers a day how many people were coming a day to my website and that that was it man that was why publishers were coming to me they um Mm. They were, you know, I would go and I would sing at these conferences, but I'd have these publishers saying, hey, like, I know you're singing. I know you have a record deal, but like, we'd really love to publish a book. Have you thought about writing? Like, you're a really good writer. Um, and yeah, you know, and so I didn't have an agent. Like, I was just kind of like solo, like, like, what am I doing? And I had a couple meetings with a couple publishers and I thought, you know what? I think I'm probably eating my pants on this deal that they're, that they're doing. So I went and I found an agent. Um, uh, Esther Fed was her name. And she did my first two book deal with, uh, with Zondervan HarperCollins. And so Moment Maker uh, was the first of the two books. Um, and yeah, you know, it was uh, definitely, it was, there was no bidding war. Like it was Zondervan would may have been the only offer. Um, you know, I, I think I had some really low, you know, offers, but they, they came in to where, at least as a first time author, I was like, oh, like someone would actually pay me to write a book. This is kind of weird. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it in no way, shape or form recouped the advance at all. You know, that was, uh, uh, you know, maybe it will in, in 100 years. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, yeah, man, it was it was that first book and uh, still super proud of it. Um, but they definitely found me because of my my online kind of platform. So building a presence and how important oh, that is yeah. to sell <laughs> to sell books if you're self-published, but also to sell yourself uh, to a publisher if you want a traditional publishing deal. I- any Any quick tips for folks who maybe already have a blog about the process of, taking your best blog posts and your, your best received blog posts and kind of coherently putting that into a book. Cause I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And, and I'm sure you kind of went through it and found the right way to do it. So any tips there? Yeah, I think, you know, I think for sure, the first thing people are going to need to realize is that you're, you're going to need to have um, in order to really take writings that you put online and turn that into something that, your blog reader would actually want to read. It's like, they don't want to just read the same blog, right? Um, you actually have to have like a, a lot bigger volume of work than you think. And so for me, I mean, you have to think like, I was, I was blogging seven years, five days a week. Like I was, I was putting content out, like, like really writing par- like at least one to three paragraphs a day. Like today, what am I going to write about? What's going on in the world? Uh, and I would write and I would do it. And so I think the reason why it was able to be turned into a book is I had of just such a well it's not like I just had 30 blog posts that I was trying to turn into 13 chapters right like I I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds um and so 
I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to do that and one of your listeners is like, okay, you know, how can I turn my blog in it? You, you just need to write a lot because the more you put out there, uh, the more traction um, you're going to be able to see and the more kind of true analytics you're going to be able to see uh, throughout the kind of the whole scope of your writing. And so I'm glad that I had, you know, I'm not going to say everyone needs to wait seven years. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you need to, I do feel like you need to do this for a long time in order to see a good, a good year, like give yourself five days a week for a solid year where you're putting content out. Uh, it doesn't have to be on a blog now, you know, it could be on, it could be on Instagram. It could be on Facebook, uh, but just see what's getting the most traction. And, um, and yeah, that, that's, that's really what I did, you know? And, and then obviously I hired a writing coach for my first book, not just an editor, but I actually had a coach. Um, and she like held my hand through the whole thing. I mean, we, we did the whole, you know, story arc and tried to make this thing, you know, turn into a book um, instead of it feeling like just a blog that's printed out, right? And so um, uh, she was very helpful uh, in that process as well. And so she probably helped me the most when it came to trying to figure out what stories were going to work the best. That's great. Now you talked about the first book not selling anywhere near as well as as the second and third book and kind of being the the, the jumping off point or the the learning playground if you will um for the 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 second and uh third book so what did you learn from the launch of the first book that changed the way you launched and marketed the second and third book and and what do you think were yeah. the major differences and why those books sold so much better yeah i would definitely say that the first book was a book that i wanted to write that felt good for me that I thought maybe this could help a lot of people. And I, th I think all those things are fine. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people approach their books that way. Like, oh, like I'm good at this. Some people tell me I'm good at this. So they might, must want what, what this is. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna write about it. Well, the difference that I found in the next two books is that the next two books, I went very strategically towards a pain point of my audience. Like I went towards what, is their pain point. And I'm telling you, that was the difference, man. That was, I, I literally asked him, like I asked him for the second book. I'm like, hey, like, what can I help you with? Like, like what? Because like, I'm, you know, people would call me a self-help writer or, you know, Christian life or whatever it may be. And so I, I mean, I had a, I had an audience that was waiting to tell me this is what, well, this is what we're struggling with. And so I'm like, sweet, then I'm going to write you that book, you know? And so I think that was very beneficial because now I knew that they wanted it. So that, that was super helpful. And then also, um, you know, and this goes into, into my speaking career. Um, again, I think I, I have like natural charisma and like natural woo when I get on stage. So I can get on stage and make people feel things. Um, I, may, I can make them cry. I can make them laugh. I can do whatever. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable in doing those things. But can I make them buy my book? Now, again, the, the, the goal of, the, of, of a talk for me at least, is to, help, is to help people, give them practical ways that they can solve some sort of problem in their life. But I also know that them just listening to my talk isn't going to help them the way that my book can really help yes. them. So, yes. so honestly, I don't feel bad trying to sell my book from stage. Like I know like, like, like you guys may love that how I'm tickling your ear right now. And you may think like, oh, those are three great points, but those aren't gonna change your lives. Like what I poured into, into the book, that's gonna change your life. So I really, tweaked my talk the first two months that the second book came out it was a lot of like beta testing okay i'm gonna try this Ah, oh, like what were sales 
you know, in the lobby afterwards, okay, I'm only hitting 7%. I really think I can hit 10%. Go to the next place. I'm going to tweak this. Oh, bam. And then I, I kept doing it. And then finally, like one day it went from like, like 9% to like 25% of the audience bought my book. And it never went down after that. Like that was the talk. I like, and I knew it. I was like, oh, this, it, I found it, the sauce. And so once, once I found that secret sauce, right? Like I, I just stuck to that. That's like now the, that's now the talk for Kill the Spider. Um, with my third book, Enter Wild, I am, I'm still, you know, it's, I, it released during COVID, during a quarantine. So like I'm doing Zoom, uh, a lot of Zoom presentations. Like I can't get good analytics from who's buying my books in yeah, a lot. Yeah. So, so I still, I'm still tweaking that talk and I'm, uh, that, that'll probably, uh, 2021 will probably be when that one is really, um, um, I'll be able to, to, to tweak it. But for me, a big, 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 big thing is the talk, man. The talk. Yeah. The talk, the talk. When, when I when I hit it and I hit it right, I know when I look in the room exactly how many books I'm gonna sell. Wow, that's wild. Okay, I want to unpack that and I want to circle back to kind of other other things that you do to or have done to market books two and three because I think there's a lot a lot there that would be helpful for people. Um, and I love the start with the pain, right? Is yeah. because if you know um, if you know uh, we call it like the four P's of a high converting offer person pain, promise, price. And so it's like, if you know yep. the person that you're talking to, cause they're in your audience, then the pain yep. that they have, and then the promise that you can make them through the hook yep. of the book. And, and yep. then obviously the price of the book or the price of whatever's beyond the book, then it's going to convert better. Right. Uh, but let's walk yep. through that nine to 25% of the audience yep. uh, uh, converting to, to, to purchase your book. So how, how, I mean, for some people who might just say, Hey, how do you even know that? Um, and then what are the average audience size? And then, I mean, obviously the big, big question is, is how'd you do it? Like, what are the things yeah. practically that you changed about your talk that, that influenced yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I, and again, as an author, when you talk and you're, and you're trying to sell your book, um, you can get, I think you can get too far into being the hero of your own story on, on stage. Like you just want to tell your story because like, especially if you're writing kind of memoir-esque, all my books are, you know, people would say they're categorized as like self-help, but they're, they're memoirs that, that walk people through my life and my poor decisions and how I corrected them, right? And so I think at the beginning, my talks were very, this is my, this is my story. Um, and I think you can relate to my story. And the whole thing was my story. So like my talk was like my story and people were weeping during it. I mean, they were, they were just connecting. They were laughing. I mean, they were like dying laughing, belly laughing. And I, I'll never forget, like, I'm like, man, like, this is working. This, this talk, like, I'm connecting. But just week after week, like, no one would buy the book. Like, they would laugh. But then, then I'd go to the lobby and, like, I'd, I'd, again, I'd sell 10% of the crowd. You know, and again, I, I normally speak. I mean, I really speak to every, every size group. But I'd say an average, if I'm, like, kind of, like, on my weekly, what I do, there's 2,500 people in the room. And... Um, you know, and so, so still even like 9%, that's, that's a lot of books. Like that's, that's good. Like I'll, I'll make some extra money for that. Um, but when I switched it to the first half of my talk was like my story. And then I suddenly went straight into their pain point and they became the hero of the story. Um, bro, that was a game changer. Like suddenly they were lining up at the book table. Like they were, you know, wrapping around suddenly, like I was still telling personal stories, but I was like, very practical was like, this is how you can do it. And something else I started doing that really helped. I would say, listen, 
in chapter seven, like I, I say it, chapter seven of, of my book, Kill the Spider, I go into the very specifics on how you can today kill your spider. Like today, you don't have to wait. You don't have to go to therapy for three months. You don't have to do, like you can figure, you can kill this thing today. I'm telling you, man, people, I guarantee they'd buy the book and just go straight to chapter seven. You know, like, like they, like, don't be scared to sell your book. Don't be scared um, to on stage say that this, um, this book can change your life. And so um, I think that was, those were kind of two big keys that, that really helped me when it came to um, selling in uh, mm. live events, selling at live that's events. Um, uh, and then, you know, so, I mean, that, that's when it started going to, and then I did find, I just found a story, like a super inspirational story with a, with, with um, two pictures of stars that I, that I took. That was just, they're just very powerful images. And that's how I started to end my Kill the Spider talk. And it's, I'm always a fan of ending your talk with a gasp. If you can make your audience gasp in some way, um, and, and there's an audible gasp every time I do this uh, illustration from across, the, it doesn't matter if I'm like with like, I was like at a, a big pen designer summit and then, or I'm, I'm like at some like Christian revival, kind. it doesn't matter. Like it, both audiences gasp when I tell the story and that gasp for me, when I hear it, I'm like, I'll see you at the book table. You know, like, like it just, um, you know, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I do, I talk, I mean, I, that's what I do full time. Like I'm traveling, I'm speaking. So I get to tweak, I get to um, make changes. I get to try different things. Uh, and then when I get it, man, I get it. So that's awesome. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right. So if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. So uh, making your audience the, the, the hero of the story and, and, and less about you and more about them. And then also uh, you, you mentioned what my buddy Pete Vargas would call like embedding, right? Like, so embedding examples or embedding how it connects to specific chapters in the book um, throughout the talk. Can you walk through, like, what's an example of, so I'm speaking and, and what's an example of flipping between how you were doing it to how that would show up differently of like, and so for other speakers who are out there who are saying, hey, I mostly understand that, Carlos, but like, can you give me an example of how I would switch from and actually put my audience as the hero of the story so that they see themselves and so that, you know, helps with yeah. what looks so Yeah, so, so, you know, mo most of, at the beginning, my talk was like, the beginning was like, life sucks. And at the end, I was like, life is great. Read my book and your life can be great too. Okay, there, there's the 10 second version of the talk. Um, and, and again, it, as a speaker, that actually, like if you're not trying to sell anything, I think it's a very uh, good way to encourage an audience and to, uh, people love testimonies, people love to kind of hear those things. But it's not a good way to sell a book. So now I literally tell like my, the, I, I take people a lot quicker to my pain point at the beginning of like, it used to be, it'd take me 15 minutes in my talk to even get to like the drama. Now it's in the first three minutes. Like I'm like, bam, I'm in. And then I allow them to, to go with me um, and, and to start seeing how I started to repair my life. So, and we'll just use Kill the Spider as an example. 
kill the spider. The, the easy analogy is a spider is an agreement you've made with the lie. That's what we have to kill. And a cobweb where most people clean the cobwebs instead of killing the spider is a medicating behavior. So most people are trying to medicate behaviors um, or, try, or trying to stop medicating behaviors as opposed to trying to find the lie that's causing them to medicate the behavior. So my talk was all about um, my journey on, um, on, kill, on my cobwebs and then killing my spider. But what I changed it to was I started saying, okay, here's five common cobwebs that are in this room. And oh, bam. Nice. So, so suddenly I started talking to them. I, I was like, there's some of you guys that are struggling with pornography. Pornography is your medicator. And you're trying to put a porn blocker on your phone. I get, I get very specific to them. And so you think, oh, I'm going to put a porn blocker on my phone, which is going to help me kill the spider. Well, that's not going to, that's just cleaning the cobwebs. Right. And so I, I, I kind of take them the whole thing out. Some of you guys um, are addicted to work, work, you're workaholics. And it doesn't look as bad as porn, but it's just as bad as the medicating behavior. And then so I start touching them pretty, pretty quick into my talk. And then I, I give them examples of the spiders that they could be believing, the lies they could be believing. The reason why you're looking at porn may be because you don't believe the truth that you can find true intimacy the way you were created to find true intimacy. And that's probably comes from a childhood trauma or something like that. So I take them there really fast. Now they're like, oh my gosh, he's reading my mail, right? And then I say, okay, but this is how we can, this is how you can specifically kill it, okay? So I'm gonna give you the steps. And I always say this, I always say, and this was a risk at the beginning, but, but a friend of mine told me to do this. I say, listen, I'm, I'm talking about my book, but you don't even have to buy my book. This is what I tell, I say this from stage. You don't have to buy my book to kill your spider. I'm going to tell you right now how to kill it. You confess the lie, you reject the lie, and then you replace the lie, right? I give them the, and they're like, whoa, he just gave me like the sweet manna. Like, this is it. Like, so I give them that, and, I'm, and then I'm like, but this is how you reject the lie, right? And then so that's when I go into chapter. In chapter seven, I talk about specifically, and I give you verbs. I give you paragraphs that you can read out loud to reject the lies. And I, I give them an example. Uh, chapter eight, I, and then, so I really bring my, my chapters of my books in heavy for a good 10 minutes of my talk. Um, and I'm telling you, that, that, that's the point where um, I see people come to the book table and as they're in line, they're on chapter eight, like reading exactly what I told them. So in my head, oh, I'm nice. like, as a, as a marketing guy, I'm like, okay, like that, that got them to buy the book, you know? And so, I mean, those are some specific ways that I've kind of changed it up. That's great. And I think an important thing to emphasize, because I think a lot of people will hear this and it's like, oh, so I got to make a decision between an impactful talk and a talk that sells my books. Right, and these right. two things are mutually exclusive, right? But I think what's so important is that exactly like you said, is I can inspire someone in 45 minutes, uh, but probably not create lasting change. Yeah. And the book is the continuation of that conversation that actually allows them to spur lasting change. So not only is it a more impactful talk, yeah. but it also, yes, sells more books, which helps make the talk even well, be, be even more impactful. And, and again, if you really are into, I call myself a hope dealer. I'm like, if I'm really a hope dealer, then I, I really need to care more about, about how I feel my talk went. Like at the end of the day, like, like I'm really, if I'm trying to really create lasting change in someone's life, it's not gonna be, it's never, I've never gotten an email saying, gosh, Carlos, like I heard your talk and I changed my life. Like I, I just know, but the emails I get are, dude, I read Kill the Spider. That book changed my life. I bought 10, gave them out to my friends. It's changing their lives. It's ne no one's ever told me that a talk has changed your life. They've always told me that my book has changed your life. So if I know that that's the case, why in the world would that not be the goal to get people to read the book? Yeah, that's great. 
Now, so is that, is that how you sold the lion's share of those 50,000 copies? Yeah, man, lobbies, lobbies, um, and, uh, and lobbies and more lobbies. And I, I was just out there shucking. I had my, my, uh, my little card reader and my kids and they're, you know, um, I don't, I don't have any, any, I'm never, I'm not a fan of like merch. I don't have the merch. Like I'm just, it's just books, like straight up books, books, books. And so, yeah, that's how I sold. I'd say, all, I mean, almost all of them were, were yeah. on, were at events, you know, like I wasn't, yeah. I didn't do a lot of, um, now that's changed a lot in 2020 with Enter Wild. Almost all of my books have been online. Uh, none of them have been live. I may, may have sold 30 books in like a live event setting this year, just because nobody's doing that. But um, um, I definitely, definitely sold the majority of my books. I say it out of my trunk um, because I, I, I just have, the, I have boxes of books in my trunk. I have a, another yeah. suitcase. That. And that was at the beginning of the grind. Now I've got a little better system with my uh, bulk ordering process where they ship the books to the event center and then they'll ship them back. But um, it's, yeah, it's still like cut open the boxes and start shucking those things, man. Start selling them. Yeah. And I, I sold a lot of freaking books that way. Yeah. Hey, and let's, so let's just spend a couple more minutes on that. Like, can you walk us through pro tips you've learned uh, from, from doing this over years? Like I, I'm talking like real in the weeds of like for other speakers. So like you've mentioned the bulk ordering process, like how do you even, you, so you have them shipped there or are you doing like, yeah. how do you, anything you've done from a workflow perspective to help like the, the line move faster to sell yes. more books, oh, faster, like pro, pro tips on that front? Yeah, I love that stuff. Always, oh, cause people want you to sign the books. The, you will sell less than half of the amount you will normally sell if you sign the books at the same place they're buying the books. So I always have the, the biggest, the, the way I've seen the, the most kind of upswing as far as book sales at live events, I sign the books about 20 feet away from where people buy the books. And I always give people two book tables. So it's always two lines to two tables and then they get their book and then they come 20 feet over to where I'm at to sign it. Whenever you sign the books at the same table they're buying, the line gets backed up. People don't know, am I in line to sign? Am I in line to buy the book? And so that's a huge thing that I, I try to tell all my author friends all the time. It's like, move 20 feet away from where you're selling your books, get volunteers. Um, you know, we, I've got a whole kind of process. Maybe I'll, I'll email you my, um, I've got a kind of like a, a sheet that I send to the venue looking for volunteers uh, and, and all the training for how the volunteers work. That's something that may be valuable. Uh, and then I use, um, I use, it's called Bulk Books, um, and they're they're actually part of my speakers bureau. But they do they do book uh, advancing for anybody if you're an author. Um, yeah, and you know they, I I pay them a little bit of a fee, um, but they ship all the books with all the return labels, with all the instructions. They ship the iPad, they ship the card reader. I used to have to carry all that stuff. I had everything in my backpack before the before I get I get there an hour early and I'm setting up my table and I'm setting up the books and I'm putting up all the things. Now, like all that's in the box with instructions. There's actually like a, a YouTube video that they watch now explaining the volunteers watching their phones, showing how to set the table up. I don't ever even see the thing. Like I show up, they're selling the books and then uh, I'm, I don't even, I never see them anymore. It's great. That's and then amazing, they get yeah. Oh dude, it's, it's, it's the, it's the best. So that was a big, you know, they take, uh, uh, I want to say they take about 15% of, of my sales but it, dude, it's been worth it. I've sold so many more books or more than 50, more than the 15% I'm paying them. So, um, that's been helpful. Um, trying to think, uh, I always, 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 whoever's ending the event, uh, that you're speaking at. Um, I mean, I am a, 
uh, can you say Nazi anymore? Is this like politically correct? I'm like, I'm like, I'm a stickler when it comes to like, I will tell them 20 times before I get on stage. I need whoever's following me to not forget to hold my book in their hand and say, Carlos will be at the book table afterwards. It is, it, I can go from selling, you know, to, it'll normally be 25% of the room. If they forget to do that, it's, it's 5%. Like I know, I know in a second, if they don't do that, people, people won't even know. People will forget. They don't hear it. The last thing they need to hear is, Hey, Carlos is in the back. This is his book. And so like, that's in my contract now that somebody, even if they don't want someone to close the event or whatever, someone besides me has to come up and say, he's going to be back there. He's signing books. He'd love to meet you. That's, that, that's a, that's a game changer. Oh, that's super smart. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do you forecast like, and, and, and what's your process there of how many books to, to, to send to the venue versus the crowd and all that stuff? Yeah. Do you overshoot? Do you undershoot? How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I, I always overshoot again. Most of, most of the authors in my, in my world are, are selling eight to 9% of, of the room. And so initially I would order about 15% of what they said uh, people would be, you know, now once I started, once I tweaked my talk and I started hitting like 25% of the room, like on a regular basis, uh, I mean, I would sell out every single time I'd go somewhere. I'm like, I'd send 50%, sell out, 20%, sell out. And I hated it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm just, I'm leaving money on the table. Um, and so now I shoot for 30, 35, 30 to 35%. And it feels like a lot. Like, like when they, the, these places get books, my boxes of books and they're like, bro, they sent a lot of books. And I'm always like, I'm going to sell them, you know? And they're like, <laughs> and, and they're always like, no, like normally people, cause they always tell us too, especially if I'm doing like a corporate event, they're like, just, you know, send 5% of our audience or 10% of the audience. That's what you'll probably sell. Um, and I always wait. And they, they're always like, you're not going to sell this many books. Like this is annoying. And then they're like, wow, you sold so many books, you know? Um, so, but, but like the industry standard is, is 10 to 15% is what you want to order. Uh, and then you want to try to get there. Now here, here's the deal. Um, moment maker. I have not gotten that talk to sell that many books. Like if I do a moment maker talk, I'm, I'm at nine, 10%. Um, Enter wild my third book. I'm at like, and, and I haven't done a lot of events, but I'm, I'm at like, I don't know, 12 to 15%. Um, and I know, okay, I've got to work on this talk. Like I'm going to work on this talk in order to get it to where I want to get there again. So that, that, that's kind of like my, my math, how it works. Okay, cool. I've got, oh my gosh, so many follow-up questions. This is awesome. Uh, any, any other pro tips on just like, I love the comeback. Carlos will be there uh, um, signing books. He'd love to meet you. Um, the two tables, 20 feet apart. Um, anything else that, that you kind of learned the hard way or wish you knew yeah. um, about this process to just yeah. even just workflow wise or optimizing for even more books sold? Yep. Yep. Um, everyone wants their book signed. So I always have a volunteer in the book signing line, giving them um, post-it notes and they write their name on the post-it note to where I don't have to ask them how to spell it. I can just open it and start signing it right away and actually look at them and have more of a conversation instead of the conversation being, Hey, my name's Carlos. What's your name? Hey, my name's Ed. So now I got the name already. It just creates more of a connecting point uh, with your reader. And I'm just telling you those tiny things. Now that the conversation isn't what's your name, your conversation is, you know, what did you do yesterday? Like, what, what, are, what, are you, what spider are you trying to kill? What are you, you know, suddenly they're like, wow, just a strong connection. And I, I, I know that that sells more books the next time I put a book out, you know. Um, so there's that kind of like post-it strategy. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Sorry. I mean, listen, I'm all about 
when my kids were like seven, nine, and ten, I would sell way more books when my kids were selling them. Like, I, I, don't don't be scared to use your cute kids, man. People come come. To, oh, you're Carlos's kid. I saw you on the video. You know, in the single ladies video. And then, uh, uh, dude, people people take pictures with my kids. People have my kids sign their books. Um, it, that's a lot of fun. So you know, whatever. I mean, whatever works, man. <laughs> yeah. How many iPads do you have? Is uh, there yeah. like multiple points of sale? Yep. Yep. So I've got, um, I got one person taking cash and I have two iPads. So oh, okay. an iPad each table. So, wow, man, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. So as you look to, you know, book number three just came out inner wild, which by the way, super impressive, just how many reviews you have on these books. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and even just inner wild already having 450 I reviews. I know. I actually just saw that the other day, to be honest with you, like I went on there and I was like, what? Cause it's only been out since June and it took me yeah. three years to get that many for kill the spider. So yeah, I don't know, like that, that's, that's given me some, you know, a little pep in my step. It's 150 reviews, uh, less than the book before that, which has three years more of runway, yeah. right. Which is, which is awesome. And just, I think speaks to the momentum yeah. that's already happening with the, the newest book. So as you think about, uh, revising your talk, I'd love to just walk back through your process, right? So you got a new talk. It's it's converting at nine percent, ten percent, twelve percent. I think you said somewhere in that range. Yeah. How do you go from first draft to second draft, or how do you think about? Oh, these are the two things, two to three things that I should should change or could change that will maybe impact this. Yeah, you know, and 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 also I I, I have to keep reminding myself that kill the spider was such a massive pain point for people. Like everybody, when, when I give that analogy, a spider's an agreement you made with a lie and a cobweb's a medicating behavior, bro, it sells itself, man. Like, like that is just, people are like, oh, like their minds are like, what? You know, and so- It's, it's great, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so like for me, like I knew that, that that title is still my strongest title, Kill the Spider. Um, I have to figure out with my enter wild talk um, and, and I'm actually, I've actually sent my talk, this talk to like 10 authors, um, that I like admire their speaking ability. I'm having them listen to my talk to be like, what can I change? Actually, only one of them has gotten back to me, but, uh, what he said was that I'm not, um, I've made the crowd, the hero, I'm doing all those things. Um, but I'm not, I'm not making the book important enough. Um, and, and, and I feel that they're right. Like, again, I feel like with my inner wild talk, People can leave with the talk, and and feel like they can they can pretty much um, and the whole goal of Enter Wild is 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 to leave a mild faith and enter a wild faith and and I I feel like after my talk people feel like they may not need the book and so what I've got to do is figure out how to make the book more necessary. Um, what one of the things I'm going to do is talk about these these prayers that I have written out in Enter Wild that I'm going to get more specific about in my talk. Listen. I've got written out my daily prayer that I pray every single day in the morning. It takes 15 minutes. It's changed. Just this one prayer itself has changed everything about who I am, how I treat my family, how I treat my kids. It's made, it's made my faith go from mile to mile. This prayer and the prayers in the back of the book. And I promise you, if you guys, you know, and I'll, I'm just kind of practicing with you, but this is now where I'm thinking like, I think that's what I'm going to have to start shifting towards a little bit uh, with Enter Wild. Um, and also it doesn't have the gasp moment at the end yet like there's not the um but i have an idea what it's going to be but it has to be a live room in order for me to do that um and so um so and and i'll just tell you what what my idea is the the i tell this story about uh um 
having asthma. And when I moved to Tennessee, I didn't have asthma as a child, but when I moved to Tennessee, over the course of living here for, because there's last one bad thing about Nashville is like the allergies. Over the course of six months of living here, I started to develop allergies, but I didn't know it. And so my wife um, told me, hey, you're wheezing every night. Like when you're breathing, you're wheezing. I was like, what do you mean I'm wheezing? I feel fine. Like I felt fine. But it's because it was a slow, it was a slow ramp up to not being able to breathe. So I went to, to an allergist and he had me do a breathing test. And he said, I was only breathing at 60%. And I was like, what? He said, your lungs are only working at like 60% capacity. So then he gave me an inhaler and he's like, I want you to take a hit of this. So then I took a hit of that. And suddenly my lungs, after I took that albatross went from 60% to hundred percent. And it was like, it was like, a, I felt like a brand new man. Like I, I didn't know that I was suffocating. So that's like the story, right? And I tell that story right now at the end of my inner wild talk and people are like, they kind of get it. But what I want to do is I found this YouTube video during um, World Asthma Day, where they, they, they ask you to get a straw and to breathe through the straw for 30 seconds. And what I want to do is my gasp moment, I think live is I'm going to hand out 2000 straws and I'm going to have everybody after I give that talk, I'm going to say, or that story, I want everyone to breathe for 30 seconds. You can't cheat. So I'm going to have them start to breathe through the straw and you get labored. Like it's hard to breathe. And then at the very end, I'm going to say, when I'm count to three, I want everyone to take one gasp of full breath instead of just 60%. And I've tried it one time, like with a group of students and they were almost crying. They're like, oh, this is what I want to feel like. This is what I want to breathe. This is what it's supposed to feel like to live, you know? And so I feel like that's going to be my, my thing at the end. Um, but I have yet to kind of try it like in a, in a room. There's going to be more, um, I got to figure out how to do that. Like, how do I get 2000 straws out? Uh, do, do I want to hand them out at the beginning of the talk in the middle of the talk? Like, how do I do that? So there's some uh, um, things I have to figure out with that, but I think that's what I'm going to do. So anyway, again, I'm fiddling, I'm testing, I'm trying. The straw thing may may not work, um, but I'm going to keep trying. So, yeah, that's amazing. Wow, yeah. I've got a bajillion more questions for you, but uh, we we are about ran out of time. So I I'll just I'll just ask kind of two final ones in closing. Yeah. Um, the first one being, uh, this has been awesome, by the way. It, knowing what you know now, to the Carlos of three books ago, and so think about all the other. Uh, Carlos is out there uh, uh, who are pre-book one, right? They and they're thinking about writing a book. They haven't done it yet. Like knowing what you know now, three books in, what would be kind of your parting piece of advice for those folks? Yeah, gosh, you know, I, I feel like I would, I would tell Carlos, um, first of all, I had a hard time even telling people I was an author until book two. And I would tell Carlos, before he even wrote book one, to be confident in himself as an author. Like, like you are, if you're writing something, you're an author. Call yourself an author, tell people you're an author. And there's something about when you start claiming that over your life, that you start to walk in it. You start to walk with a little bit more swagger. And then I believe that your writing actually gets better. When you start writing, believing that you should be writing. You listen, I mean, there's nothing worse. Every author knows when your book comes out, like Amazon reviews are, are your, freaking worst fear, man. It is you're standing butt naked in front of everybody. They're reading your book. And then you've, you've slaved for two years of all these words. And someone, you know, I had someone leave a one-star review. Um, and they were like, yeah, like I read half the first chapter. And I was like, ah, oh, this book sucks. It's not for me. And I'm like, you know, like that stuff's just gutting, but no, like, because I'm so confident in my ability now in my, in my calling to be an author. So I'd say that's one thing, but the other thing would be, um, something that really helped me, I think at the beginning was that 
was because I had been writing for so long without the goal of it being a book. And, and I, I think that, that authors sometimes get stuck in the only time I'm going to write is when I'm writing for my project. Mm, and yeah. when I would tell you, if you can't write for the love of writing, then I promise your project's not going to be as good as it needs to be. So if you're, if you're not there, it's not something you can't fall back in love with. Fall back in love with just the art of writing for the sake of writing. And you don't, I'm not saying you have to publish this stuff. Just put it in your own Evernote. Put it in your own notes um, and just write for yourself and, and keep that muscle um, building growing and just, you know, fall in love with writing as opposed to just writing for your projects. That's something that I even do right now. Like I'm in between projects and I still write every single day. I've got one paragraph that I say, I'm going to write a paragraph today. And you should see all that. I mean, this horrible, horrible stuff, uh, like really bad writing, but I, it's, it's keeping me, you know, it's keeping that muscle flowing and it's keeping me, I, I love it. Like I put in my Chronicles of Narnia soundtrack and, uh, and I just, I, I, put on Father Christmas and I just start flowing, man. I start, I start writing and it's, it's good. So sometimes I write a paragraph, sometimes I write a thousand words. It just depends, but I do it every single day. Yeah. That's amazing. Carlos, this has been awesome. Really, really great. Where, where can people go to find out more about you, um, to buy your books, um, to support you and all that good stuff? Yeah. Uh, you can buy my books. They're all, they're at all the places you buy books. Uh, but if you go to carloswhitaker.com with two T's, that'll kind of launch you out to all the book buying locations uh, there. And then honestly, I'm, I'm an Instagram guy. Like that's the only place I hang out. I don't blog anymore. If I do is on Instagram. Uh, and so I'm on Instagram all way more than you want to want me to be on Instagram. Like I'm, I'm the guy that has a hundred dots across his story uh, every single day. And so that's a fun place. Uh, but then if you want, like, if you want to hang out and have fun with me, Instagram, if you want to hang out and like be bothered about me, follow me on Twitter. So it's, they're like, they're like, it's like Jekyll and Hyde of, of Carlos. Um, but you can follow me at both those places at Loswit, L-O-S, W-H-I-T. L-O-S-W-H-I-T. Carlos Whitaker. Hey, thanks so much, man. This was amazing. This was awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah, dude, that was great. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode all right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that. I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right. All you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step. So how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.